the people cried Hosanna, which we sang today, which means save now, now. Come, Hosanna, come King, save us now. And, um, but I think that when the people were hoping for a, a king, they were had in mind a military or a political leader that would overturn the oppressors, the Romans that were oppressing them and taxing them and causing them a lot of harm and trouble. Um, but Jesus didn't enter that way. You know, he didn't enter as a military, king, a military general or a po political person running for political office. He, he didn't enter with a lot of hoopla. You know, he wasn't let it, carried in on a leader or with marching soldiers announcing his, his upcoming. Instead, he entered Jerusalem, God's holy city, on a donkey, a humble colt, one that, had, that up until that time had not been ridden. It was an unbroken little colt that Jesus sat upon. Instead of an official proclamation declaring his rightful kingship, it was children and old people probably that were shouting, Hosanna, lining the sheets, waving the palms. Um, they went ahead of him and they followed him behind, um, making sure that they got to give, they were given their permission to give voice to their heart's delight at welcoming this new king. Um, so what I want to bring our attention to is that Jesus is still in the business of entering holy places. But it may not look like we expect. For instance, you are a holy place that Jesus wants to enter, that Jesus longs to come into and make, make his home up within. Your life is a holy city created to welcome the triumphant and victorious king. Your life. It's a holy city that was created to welcome the victorious and triumphal humble king. The trick is though, like that first Palm Sunday, he still arrives in unexpected form. We look for a savior that will balance the power of our world externally, make things right. But Jesus comes as a humble teacher, not a victorious military general, riding on an unbroken colt. I've learned a lot about the word humble this week. Some of you may know I'm teaching a class called the School of Grace, and we meet um, the first and third Saturdays of every month for a year. And yesterday's class was about the subject of humility. And so I studied up on humility to prepare for yesterday's class, and I really learned a lot. And I'd like to share with you a little bit about that. Um, so, um, sorry. The word translated from Greek into our world word humble is often used to describe an animal that can be trained to serve a purpose, such as a horse. You know, a horse is a very powerful, very strong animal, and we can train it to be useful to serve a, a, a purpose. So that's when, when you see a horse that's been trained, you say, oh, that's a meek horse. That's a humble horse. It's been trained to be useful for the purposes of, of humankind. And so um, it, it's, it's, excuse me, such as a horse whose strength and stamina has not been diminished, but has been harnessed into serve a particular purpose. Um, when the Bible describes Jesus as humble, it's not saying he was mild mannered or weak. It's saying all his power, all his might, all his wisdom and energy are bound together, contained and controlled for the purpose of serving God, serving you and serving me. 
Humble, in fact, is a word that Jesus used to describe his own heart in the only place in the Gospels where he describes his own heart. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in spirit, in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Now, I thought it was kind of interesting. Well, I learned this actually from my former pastor, Earl Palmer, who uh, preached a sermon on the subject of humility. And I learned from him that in first century um, Palestine, particularly in Nazareth, where Jesus was from, which was a rural kind of agricultural community, a lot of the work carpenters did at that time. And remember, Jesus was a carpenter before he gave up that up to pursue his public ministry, uh, they made yokes for, for animals for the, to work the countryside. So Jesus knew what it was about when he said, take my yoke upon you. He knew how to make yokes that fit. He knew how to make yokes that make your burden easier, that allow you to partner with others to carry a load that on your own without help could not be carried. Jesus knew how to make a yoke that fits you and fits me well. Um, he says, take my yoke. Uh, and he says, learn from me. And so I encourage, he's, what I hear him saying to us is, let's be like that horse. Let's be teachable ourselves. Let's let ourselves be trainable by the Spirit of God so that we can uh, carry out the life God's given us to live. Learn from me, Jesus says, for I am gentle and humble. Jesus is saying, I'm very kind. I look on you with favor. I'm kind. And I'm going to use all my power to make your life work. I am gentle and I am humble, and you will find rest for your souls. For his yoke is easy, and the burden is much lighter when we're carrying it with Jesus. So some translations in the in that scripture use the Greek word uh, or use the word lowly. For I'm gentle and lowly in spirit, and lowly in Greek means literally close to the ground. It means like, it means, um, the literal word means to look up. So Jesus says, I'm not above you. I'm not going to lord it over, over you and make you do what you, I need you to do. He goes, no, I'm coming below you. I'm going to lift you up so that you can accomplish what I've given you to accomplish. Jesus is gentle and humble and lowly, and he is for us. And he works with us. So... Um, now, here comes, the, here comes the scary part, because I'm going to ask you and me, all of us, to be humble this morning. I'm going to ask all of us to be teachable, to be trainable, to learn to carry, some, uh, carry something in a different way than we usually do. So um, we're going to run in a little experiment together today. So um, I'm kind of scared about this, to tell you the truth, because it's going to require a lot of trust on my part and a lot of trust on your part, on my part, because it could be a total bomb and you could all run me out on a rail and say, never have her come to CBC ever again, because what she suggests is ridiculous. But anyway, I, I feel like this is what God has put on my heart after I consulted with Dick as well, and Dick's heart as well. So... Um, and it's going to take trust on your part because you're going to um, be maybe a little out of your comfort zone in this experiment we're running. So um, instead of me preaching at you or talking at you, we're going to let the word of God speak to us 
and as the Spirit leads through us. Okay, so let's prepare for this experiment by remembering what it says in 2 Timothy 3.16. I put a little marker in here. All scripture, all, I have underlined all in my Bible, scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Every word is useful for God in the scriptures. Every single word. Um, Prepositions are meaningful. Consider the difference between abide with me and abide in me. It gives a different message, right? So prepositions, we need to pay attention even to those. And verb tenses are also really important. I've been crucified with Christ. It's a done deal. You know, live as if I'm dead to, the, to this mortal world and live as if I'm resurrected with Christ. Um, so we're going to do a uh, exercise that, that I've learned from St. Ignatius. It's called imaginative prayer. And some of you may be familiar with imaginative prayer. It's where you read a gospel account or a passage from the scripture, and you put yourself in the scene as if it were a movie playing out, and you're one of the characters in the scene. And you interact with the other characters or the other objects as if it were happening to you right here, right now. And so you pay attention to what you see, what you feel, who, how people interact with each other, how they treat the animals, you know, just anything that comes up as you pray with it, let it emerge, and then just consider, okay, God, what are you telling me about yourself, about me, about the way I should operate in the world? Just notice what, what comes up as you pray with it. Um, so what we're going to do together today is we're going to uh, ask the Holy Spirit to baptize our imagination because our, our thoughts can go, foof, 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 right? So we want them to be kind of corralled by the power of the Holy Spirit as we're giving our minds over to imagining a scene from the gospel, from the gospel. And we're going to read, you've heard the account read, Mark 1, you've heard it read once, and you're going to get a copy of that scripture now. Um, I guess you can pass, I have my lovely young assistants ready to pass these things out. Um, so you can read it over again. Um, and and as each of you, I'll, I'll give you an example of um, imaginative prayer. When I, not, re, not in the last few years, but in the last, I mean, not in the last few years, but in the last number of years, I felt compelled by the Spirit to re, pray using Luke 5, the Gospel of Luke chapter 5, in my imagination. So it's the account where Jesus is standing by the lake and there's a crowds pressing at him. And he's crowded and he gets on Simon's boat and asks Simon to put out a little bit so he can better preach and not be smashed or crushed by the crowds. So I'm praying with it and I felt like God said, okay, be the boat. I go, be the boat? I go, okay, I'll be the boat. And I go, oh, look at me. Jesus is using me for his ministry. He's, I'm so necessary to his work. He needs me to, in order to proclaim the gospel. Oh, thank you, God, that I'm useful for your kingdom. Oh, that's so good. That's so wonderful. It's so good to be used of God. So it was a really wonderful prayer experience because God kind of affirmed me and affirmed my call. So it was great. But then a couple of days later, I prayed with Luke 5 again. And uh, Luke, in that case, Jesus asked Simon to put out into the deep water and to let down his nets. And I'm, 
I'm Simon in this case. I'm not the boat any longer. I'm Simon. I go, and I'm exhausted and I'm tired. I've been fishing all night. Now this nobody who knows nothing about fishing is going to try to teach me to be a fisherman. And I was so irritated and resentful, but compliant because I was a nice person, you know. So I put my nets down, and you know the story. The, they catch so many fish, they have to pull out another boat to help bring the load in. And Simon suddenly realizes that this is a miracle. This is amazing. And he has this inkling of who Jesus is. And so it says in the scripture that he falls to Jesus's knees and says, depart from me because I'm a sinner. And so I'm Peter in this, as I'm praying with this, and I fall on the ground, I fall at Jesus's feet. And I, I literally have my arms wrapped around his legs with my head in his lap as I'm going, go away from me. I'm a sinner. Don't, don't, don't be near me. I'm not, I'm not good. I'm bad. But my posture, Jesus would have had a really hard time getting away from me when, when I had my arms locked around him. And in that prayer time, I felt as if God was re helping me have contrition, you know, help me see the reality of my life, that God is God and I'm not. And there's this gap between us. But God also helped me to recognize how my true heart loves Jesus and wants to be near him and wants to have him stay near me, even though I am a, a sinner. I am a beloved sinner. So um, that was great. And then a few days later, I read, prayed with Luke 5 again. And in this time, Jesus says to Peter, you know, you're going to quit fishing for fish. You're going to start fishing for people. So that says they left their they left everything and followed Jesus. And suddenly I'm the boat again. I'm going, what? You left me? I thought I was so important to your ministry. And suddenly you just leave me and go off and use some other means to announce the gospel? What am I? And I found out how jealous I was and how envious I was and how it worked for me to work for Jesus if it was me that was doing it. Let somebody else be the boat. And I was jealous and envious. And so the Lord kind of convicted me on about that. So Using this imaginative prayer is very, um, teaches you about God, teaches you about yourself. It can teach you about how to interact with other people. So we're going to try that today. So each of you have a, a, a handout with the scripture that um, Marilyn read this morning from Mark 11. And if you notice, there's a um, one word and your copy is colored, like... Um, there's a white one, an apricot colored one, a blue one. Do, can everybody see their, their colored word? So what you're going to do is you're going to read again this account, and you're going to, we're going to take five minutes, and you're going to write the story from that object or that person's point of view. Okay. Does that make sense? I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. So I, um, when I did this, I was the Mount of Olives. So it, as you know, it says, um, as they were approaching Bethlehem, whatever, by the Mount of Olives. So I was the Mount of Olives. And so this is how I told the story of Jesus's entry into Jerusalem as the, from the point of view of the Mount of Olives. I, I've stood on this hill for decades, growing olives for the people of Jerusalem. They come regularly to tend my trees and harvest my fruit. I'm useful to them for the olives I produce. But Jesus, ah, Jesus, he comes not because he wants the fruit I produce. He comes because he wants what my presence can offer him. Not what I accomplish, but what I am. Here in my orchard, he can be alone with his father. 
I am a place of refuge and restoration for him. I offer him peace when the crowds are pressing on him and demanding miracles. I am so glad to be a place where he can just be, where he can connect with his father's love, where he can talk with God about their plans, where no one is expecting anything from him. All I need do is welcome him and let the wind blowing through my branches hum him a melody. The birds digging for worms make him smile. The dappled sunlight through the limbs brighten his heart. All I have to do is be, and he is glad to be with me. And that created this little prayer in me. Lord, you come to me saying, let's just be. Let's just seek the quiet restoration of our Father's presence and love. So be it. Amen. So um, I think there's going to be some guidelines on the monitors. Is that right, Cher? Yeah, OK. So each of you have an object or a person on your piece of paper. And so take five minutes and enter into that object or person as if you were there and you, Jesus is approaching Jerusalem. And uh, just let it unfold. Write it out on your piece of paper. And then when we're done, I'm going to ask for volunteers to read their um, their narrative, and it's not like a share or die situation. You don't have to share, but I think it would be a, it's going to be a blessing for us to hear the word made alive through one another's voices. Okay, any questions? Yes, Wanda. Yeah, it should be highlighted in some manner. They're a different color. Okay, everybody found their word? Everybody ready to be humble and teachable and learnable? <laughs> okay, don't mind the time. I'll, I'll watch the time. Uh, you have five minutes of quiet, so you can write your story from that object or that person's point of view. I'd like to invite um, someone who can tell us the story from Jerusalem's point of view. We've heard the Mount of Olives point of view. Who, who's, whose heart is uh, ready to share how Jerusalem felt about this Messiah coming into its, entering into its presence? I see a hand over here, over here, Doug. Would you say your name too, just because everyone else may know you, but I may not. Doug. Hi, yes, my name is Doug. Um, so I had Jerusalem, so I just started trying to write it out, but this is in the voice of the city as a aggregate. Um, I had forgotten after long years of dust and dung and dry winds of soulless prayers and the numb no meaning of vain enterprise since he rose on eyed wheels and departed as we demanded. A twinge of nerve tingles again with pain. He is back. Um, so just that feeling of uh, God having departed Jerusalem in the days of Ezekiel and then coming back into the city and that own, my own kind of feeling of you know, longing for the days of the, where I maybe felt God more intensely than I do at the moment. Wow, that's beautiful. He's very poetic, obviously. <laughs> No, nobody else's needs to be that pretty because Doug, that was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so I, what I'm hearing from the voice of Jerusalem is it's longing, hope is awakening again, and it's longing for the return of 
God's active presence within its walls. That's beautiful. Thank you. How about uh, the disciples? Who has the, who's going to tell us the story from the point of view of the disciples? Any volunteers? Yes, Barbara. <laughs> I know, you might have to carry it on. It's just a start. Jesus told us to go get the donkey and the colt, but we don't even know the owners. What are they going to say when we start taking their donkey away? Will they call <laughs> the authorities and have us arrested? But he said to do it. I guess he knows what he's doing. And then he did. So we headed back with the donkey and the colt to Jesus and helped him get back on its back to start its ride down to the city. What an exciting time this is. Who would ever have imagined the crowds, the children in particular, all singing and praising. What an amazingly wonderful time to be part of Jesus' group. Finally, that all seems to be going in the right direction. Hmm. Thank you, Barbara. There was a, the disciples I hear a sense of uncertainty, yet trust, and then certainty. Yeah, like, oh, it's happening. It's finally time. Thank you, Barbara. Let's see, who's the bystanders? Let me hear a bystander. Yes, please. Hold on, Sam. Here I'm sitting at home, nothing to do. Well, let's go to the Times Square. Let's go to, the, to town. Here I am standing along with other people, nothing to do. Some guys coming, and there is a donkey, a cold, tied up. And these guys, without asking anybody, they walk up to that, and they are ready to take that cold. Hey, hold on. <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you taking it? Our master has told us to bring a donkey. What? One thing leads to another, the donkey is taken, and I become very curious how in the world somebody who is not here knew that there would be a donkey. So they take the donkey, and I'm waiting. What's going to happen? Here comes a man on this donkey, and everybody around him shouting i got involved in it i was a bystander nothing to do with it but i really got involved i had a shawl on my shoulders i threw it on the road so the cold could walk on it one thing led to another and here i was saying just like everybody else, Hosanna. You know, that got me going. Mm. And I got to know this man mm. on the donkey. He really was a king. And as I followed him, he has become my king. Amen. Thank you, Sam. A bystander who had nothing to do with it got caught up in it by the association and just by witnessing. That's, that's quite an entry. 
Thank you. Uh, let's see. We have some a cloak out there who wants to tell their story. Uh, Jack or Pat? Jack, you were first. Sorry, Pat. <laughs> I didn't have a pet. Can't hear you. Yeah, I didn't have a pen, so I didn't write it down. Um, I was the cloak, and initially, I, I felt very resentful because here they were using me to be sat on, and then they were throwing me into the street so I could be trampled upon and a donkey walking over me. And so I, I felt very resentful. And as I looked at, looked at it more, and says, how does it relate to Jesus and his messiahship? That's just what was happening to Jesus. He was squashed. He was trampled upon. And when I realized that, I, I realized I could relate to Jesus. And I should embrace that being trampled upon hmm. for his kingdom. Wow. Thank you, Jack. Okay. Um, yeah, at first there is confusion when you're being used for the kingdom's purposes. We aren't given an instruction sheet saying this is what it's going to look like. So there is um, emotions that arise that we need to process and deal with. But then we, the Lord opens our eyes to see the ways in which we are um, like Jesus, which is really beautiful. Thanks. Uh, let's see. I think we have some leafy branches out there. I have. I hit Kathy. I see a leafy branch. Oh, Kathy, Pan was first. Gotta be quick. It's like an auction. You know, you gotta. Kathy, the leafy branch. Here I am. I was doing just fine, growing long and lovely, swaying in the breeze, facing the sun, enjoying myself. Suddenly, I find myself ripped from what I perceive to be my very life source all I've ever known and all I thought I ever wanted. I was dragged into the market square, feeling parched, drying out quickly, mm. not of my choosing. What's all this commotion? What's all this jubilation? What's going on here? I strain to see. And thankfully, just in time, I'm lifted high, once again waving in the air. And the view is odd. <laughs> a man, a mere man, riding lowly on a donkey. That's what I see with my eyes. Yet what does my heart, why does my heart swell? And just then I recognize my thirst has been quenched as I gaze at God's son. Wow. Thank you, Kathy. Those leafy branches that are thirsty for the king to enter and, and quench our thirst and swell our hearts and put us back in the air where we can wave freely. Thank you, Kathy. Now we have some people who um, went ahead of Jesus. Any, anyone have that voice? Um, I, I saw your hand first, please. I don't know your name though. Patty, I'm sorry. Well, 
We are so excited. Jesus is entering, he's entering me, his holy temple and city. Hosanna, welcome. Finally, Jesus is known and recognized. Dear Lord, I'm so grateful to see you. I joyfully praise and honor you. Thank you also for welcoming me. Thank you for all the blessings in my life. And I'm so excited to see all that you are yet to do. Hosanna. Amen. Amen. Yeah, those that went ahead were anticipating Jesus' coming and are ready for it. Thank you, Patty. There were some, though, who followed. Peter, over here. <laughs> well, you can continue at home. Peter is is speaking as one of those who followed along behind. Many of those who followed were really keen and excited. The more nimble swarmed up a couple of palm trees using their belts, 60 feet or more, to cut palm branches to honor this man, Jesus, teacher, healer, miracle worker. Surely the Messiah we're waiting for. We got each other more excited, chanting, Hosanna, blessed is he, comes in the name of the Lord from the Psalms. No one stopped us. We escorted him into our holy city. Surely this is our Messiah. But he didn't seem to do much when we mm. got there. <laughs> Thank you. That's, there's again that element of surprise, you know, that... Jesus is coming, Jesus is real, Jesus is here, Jesus is the Messiah, and we can offer praise as we're led. Yes. How about the temple's voice? Who, who can give voice to the temple, the temple's point of view? Um, I see a hand back there, yeah. I'm gonna try, I'm Vincent. Hi, Vincent. That was a temple. I could see them coming. I can see them from the top of me as I am high and tall. I could see them come going into the village, and I wonder why they didn't come to me first. But, uh, next, I see Jesus getting on a cloak, and the people throwing their cloaks on the ground, others spreading leafy branches on the ground, and the people shouting, Hosanna. And then, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of the kingdom of our ancestor. Hosanna is the highest heaven. Amen. So there's a presence that sees all this and tries to understand it all. Thank you, Vince. Any other person who I, feels like they really want to share their, their point of view? Evelyn? Would you um, speak in the mic? It's in, it's in front of you now. Go ahead, talk. Okay, I don't need, um, I didn't write anything down, but what I was thinking was I'm such a young colt. No one has ever even ridden on me before. I have no experience with these things. What am <laughs> I going to do? Amen. And then I start, when Jesus it comes, sits on me, I feel a calmness and a peace that God's going to use me anyway. Amen. Thank you, Evelyn. Yes. So basically, Jesus um, humbly and triumphantly enters Jerusalem, the holy city, and all are welcoming him, surprised by him, unexpecting, 
but yet hopeful. His, his arrival means a new beginning. And it's the same in each of our lives. We walk into new beginnings every moment of our lives. The doors open, the gates raise. You know that one song where it says, open up the gates, lift high the doors to welcome in the King of Israel. Let's lift our gates high and open our doors wide to welcome the triumphant and humble Messiah into our lives. So thank you for trusting me with that little experiment. Um, I, I would love to encourage you to continue to try to use it in, in your own, incorporate it into your own private um, devotional time because it's really opens your eyes to things that you may not have seen before in the scriptures and helps you kind of uh, let the scriptures come alive within you. So thank you for preaching the sermon today to each other and uh, for uh, letting me be part of it. I really am appreciative of that. So I'm going to close our time with another little prayer from my book, which, by the way, are available for sale in the back. Is Jesus going to throw me out of here with the, with the whips for selling my books in the back of the church? <laughs> okay, so I remind us that we are God's holy city. And I close with this prayer. You have created a, habita a habitation, a city for those you love. You have formed this city with your words and dwell in its midst. It is built on the rock of ages, unshakable, unassailable. Within its saving walls, I find peace and safety. Within its gates courses a river of living water sourced by your eternal love. Its graceful flow is constant and dependable. I drink from it and fear is quieted. Courage arises. My home is on its banks. When the sun rises like the fire that, guides, that guided the Israelites, I know your presence is near and real. When a cloud hovers, granting me shade, I know your protection is mine. Outside the limits of this city, the world clamors and calls, but I will remain within its boundaries, content in your presence. I'd rather be a doorkeeper Psalm 84. Thank you and amen. Amen. Thank you all.